Welcome to the Fit Affiliate Podcast, where we talk about behavior and behavior-based conversations as they relate to CrossFit affiliate owners and coaches. My name's Lisa Hetherington, and I'm your co-host. Sitting alongside me are Tony and Chuck, the founders of Fit Affiliate. And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Affiliate Podcast. Joined this morning with Tony and Chuck. How are you, my good friends? I'm good. Now I'm super curious what we're going to talk about. I know. Like, am I the only one that feels like it's been like a month since the last podcast, but it's only been a week? But I feel like an entire year has happened between last Wednesday and this Wednesday because I don't even know what day it is. Yeah, I completely have lost track of the days at the moment. So, yeah, it's, yesterday I was like, oh, it's Wednesday for me. Like, oh, that's weird. All right. Well, you know, we, we kind of rumbled around a couple of topics that we might like to talk about today, but then I thought I'll just follow the fit affiliate model and just send it. And I really interesting topic today is, and I guess they're kind of all linked, but why affiliate owners are afraid to make money. <laughs> oh, we decided on that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are they afraid to make money? What is? I think. Are they afraid of work? Are they afraid to make money? Are they baffled by uncertainty? This would actually be like, yeah. I think I'm coming at it from the perspective of, um, you know. So against this topic, I'm leaving to get water. (laughs) That, from the perspective of that. Well, I don't I didn't open this to get rich. I didn't, you know, it it seems selfish to them to be able to even earn you don't a basic income. Help anybody if you go out of business. Which yes, exactly. We've said that a thousand times, but I feel like that um, you know, as affiliate owners, we can get in the trap of um suffering and enjoying the suffering. But and and we need to be perceived as as you know it's it's a hard road. But then when we are successful, why do we then trip over our feet and go and stop doing the thing that made us successful and keep repeating those actions? So there's a whole heap in that, but it starts with the whole notion of I'm not meant to be rich in this business. I'm meant to well, be that escalated people. quickly. <laughs> See what happens when you leave the room, Tony. I just I just do a Tony and just generally just speaking, go. I'm actually in the same room. It just yeah. happens to be over there. Or the water cooler, so yeah, but I just did a Tony and went down a, a ranty rabbit hole. Um, I get it, I appreciate that. I'm glad you did it this time, not me. I mean, we're not in the business of making assumptions, right? Um, so mm-hmm. as for your topic, meaning why are affiliate owners afraid of making money, that would be an assumption. We are, however, in the business of assessments. I think we're the only people who are in that business, but. That's what we do on a regular basis, day-to-day basis, every single day, all day, all week, all month, all year with affiliate owners. And there certainly seems to be an assessed truth that um, I wouldn't call it an aversion to money, but there's definitely an absence of regularity in making money. Um, I don't think anybody is against it, though, but there's some underlying issues there. But I guess we can dig into all of them if you want to. Lisa, seems how you sidebarred us with this one. (laughs) Always. And these are our best conversations, but, you know, we we talk, um, you know, on our calls with various affiliate owners and, it, you know, the very first layer of this is feeling that, you know, um, selfish about earning an income and selfish about having their own goals 
uh, and having their own needs met, I guess, or even having needs. That's the first layer of it right off the top, generally. Agreed. <laughs> I suppose just... shaking my head doesn't translate well to the audio wave. So I no, it, it, say, yeah, I, agree. I feel like it's a Tony it's is now shaking his head. Made. <laughs> Which is why everybody should just watch it on YouTube. Yeah, get on the get on the YouTubes. But um so that's the first layer of it. Then sometimes like I I'll speak from my experience. You know, you're in the affiliate and you get this influx of people and you're doing all these things. You seem to be crushing it. And you're like, great, I've got this nailed down. I'm doing all the things. And then you stop doing the things that got you to that point because you're like, well, it's that, that's it. It's just going to keep rolling now. And But you still have this reservation eh, about I don't want it to be perceived that I'm making money, but then you stop doing the actions that, have got you to that level of success. See, I, I I think that at least from like Tony's saying, you know, based on assessment, not assumption, in the time that at least you know, from my own my own lens in CFG and TGC and the time around it, and then all the affiliate, it actually doesn't break down on like a belief or repeatability or a habit standpoint initially. It, this is just me speaking, but. I think a lot of people, they have that early startup momentum and I would still consider it startup momentum even if you buy an affiliate and like you don't know what you don't know, you have uninformed optimism, you have more time and energy and effort and like you start on the right foot and things are going well. But the first layer of breakdown is systems, processes and people and they end up like the machine itself doesn't really work so they bottleneck, they bottleneck they work on managing the onboarding and the integration of those people um, because that's all the bandwidth that they have. And then they just generally don't have the ability to go back into like that startup mode because they're either resource drained at that point because it has grown or their time is diminished. Or this is where like a story or some past trauma occurs. They're like, oh, my God. When I worked on growing this thing, I had to work so hard. And now, not only am I working harder, I've got all these other people I have to take care of and make happy. I don't know if I actually want to continue growing. So why don't I just sell myself on a minimized version of my own goals and dreams so that I can be okay being right here? At least I've seen that happen more than once. And then it yeah. turns into like the wild adventure. Once you're on the back side of like the successful actions haven't been repeated, we do have legitimate issues of people and processes and we're probably cash flow strained. Then all of like the stories, the beliefs, the identity, like all the crazy stuff starts to unravel at that point. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the truth certainly seems to be there in regards to, again, it's not something that they set out to do. It's not a habit. It's not, it's not like a fault, so to speak, but the very nature of owning an affiliate uh, is very easy, right? I, to get into one, to, to own one, to start one, whatever, um, you know? And so I think that that right there is where the bulk of it starts from, because, you know, back to your thing, Lisa, um, nobody who starts an affiliate really has much foresight of the peers based on all the assessments and the, the consults that we've done, you know, their, their goals were, I want to just be the best affiliate. 
that I could be, mm. but there's no real framework for what that actually looks like. But not only that, but the, the very nature of that is, is mimetic. It's not necessarily grounded in any sort of like actual tangible goal or other or pursuit. And so if you kind of think of like the emotional phase of business, all the affiliate owners fall into those, those five things, right? Like Chuck was saying, like the bulk of, of, of the problem starts in phase one, which is uninformed optimism. Right. So it's at that point, there's just so many things to do. There's so many things to buy. There's so many things to order and put down. Like there's just, you just, you're just excited, right? Just another shipment is coming in from rogue. And then like you, you, you live in that, that ecosystem where like you don't need any goals, you don't need any vision, any, any mission, any long, you know, standing sort of thing. Cause like, you're just so happy with the day to day, but then you, you run face first into like, what is phase two? in phase three, which is phase two is like that informed pessimism phase where you're just like, oh, maybe this thing is not as easy as I thought it was. And then you end up in phase three, which is that valley of despair where you're like, what have I done? The credit cards are max. The leases are 10 years long. I don't know what I'm doing. And so getting to phase you know, four and five is like informed optimism and success and fulfillment. What they end up realizing is that the only way to get there, the only way to, to get out of that valley of despair and back up that, that hill is that they got to have some degree of goals, right? Like they have to have a mission, a vision. And what it really means is their affiliate has to be unique because there is no such thing as like a mimetic success of, of an affiliate. And so what ends up happening somewhere in the middle of that is that their lack of goals or lack of vision, their lack of conceptual reality of what this thing's going to look like when it is a success has led them to make actions in the moment or in response to the past and that more often than not leads to them just not making well-informed future-based decisions instead they make you know poorly executed past-based decisions and that doesn't ever result usually in much case to a surplus of cash or otherwise and so that's how they end up basically not making money they set their prices based on i don't know what do you want to pay me mm. like that's essentially it and then they get into phase two and phase three they're like i fucked up definitely should have tripled that price but they didn't have a goal they didn't have any idea of what this thing was going to cost in the in the in the successful term mm. right so they're like um yeah so about that price we agreed on it sure would be nice if you would be willing to give me three times that <laughs> and everybody else is like well you're going to do three times more yeah well That's no never, never good conversation. i did it all from the beginning they're like yeah, so fuck off then. I ain't going to pay you anymore. And, I, and then, that, then they get into that. That's where the value of despair happens, right? They're just like, great. I overserved, overdelivered, undercharged. How do I get out of this valley? Set a goal, set a tangible target, figure out what it's going to cost you, charge accordingly. Start from mm. there. Start every day brand new. That's, I think, the thing that most people forget in the affiliate model is that, like, you know what's great about owning your own business? You can fire yourself every day and start over because you can change literally everything. You know what? Prices on Tuesday are different than they are on Monday. Why? I don't know. Cause I said so. I'm not saying you should do that, but you could. <laughs> yep. And I think that's the, the trap that we, and I know I definitely fell into that um, for a long, long time was about, you know, I just want to provide value for what people are paying me because it blows your mind that someone will pay you that amount of money to come and, you know, work out and get sweaty and when you don't truly understand what Lemonade it is that you're stand. offering. Yeah. yeah. Somebody, somebody pulled up, they're going to buy a cup. Yeah, you get super excited. And you're like, just, 
okay, you want to be here? Um, I'll take whatever it is that you want to pay me. Well, like, and then you realize how hard it is. Well, not even necessarily like that it's a realization of how hard it is or necessarily that it gets really bad. I think that like Tony keyed in on something that's important. It's an absence of goals. Mm. If you don't have a goal, you cannot possibly have clarity because you don't know where you're going. And so what's making it better or worse. And if you can't have clarity, you can't have confidence. And if you don't have confidence, like you're trapped in inaction. And when you're at that startup phase, whether it's getting something off the ground or making something your own and like buying in, there is a goal, whether it's well-defined or not is fairly relevant. It's like, we need to get up and running and get in place and transact dollars and have members to call our own. And we need an LLC or a DBA and a website. And like there, there are things that are, they are goals. They are very objective goals to achieve. And so that creates a lot of the clarity, confidence and action. And then once they're in the middle of it, that valley of despair, it's like, so I guess I just do this until I die. Um, it makes a big difference to just have like a goal at all. Mm. But I well, think it, Go ahead. I was going to say, it links back to, you know, another conversation we've had about, you know, affiliate owners, you know, somewhat being afraid to dream or not even knowing what the, you got the whole family in today, Chuck PR with his puppuccino. Um, like, what's the dream? Like, what's the, the dream? So then you can work back to developing some goals from that rather than, well, my dream is just to keep the doors open. We just need Vanessa and we've got the full house. I don't know why this is happening right now. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Like, keep the doors open also ends up not really being a goal that is entirely motivating to a lot of the affiliate community after a while because, like, there's so much opportunity cost. Mm. Like, I don't have nights. I don't have weekends. I'm not making money. I don't know if I actually enjoy this thing a whole lot anymore. And every time I try to do something to make it better, my perception is that in a lot of ways I make it worse. And so I'm trapped in like, if I don't do anything, at least I'm not going to break anything else. And like, eh, is it that bad? Could it really be that much better anyway? You're probably just not going to set a goal for yourself, right? I mean, yeah. when you're in that valley of despair, that phase three moment, you know, the last thing you want to do is set another thing you're going to fail at, right? Because like that's just what you feel like is going to happen. So when someone's like, they come out swinging and like, listen, I know this to be true because when I make the posts for Fitfiliate and I make them about go goals and, and targets and, and plans, they get no likes, right? But when I make them about existential things where it's like about their team and about these things that are not their fault, right? Then they're, everybody likes it and shares it. I'm like, I get it. You want it to not be your fault. That's fine. But, and that's because when you're in that moment, another goal just seems like another thing you're going to fail at, right? So like, if you think about it in terms of fitness, because we all know this universal truth, but like you set a goal to squat 400 pounds of your back squat and you miss it and you miss it and you keep trying to do it, you keep trying to do it. So then what are your options? You lower the goal and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to try to get 375, right? And then maybe you miss that. The last thing you're going to do after like the third time you move the goalpost is want to set another goalpost. Right. And, and that's, that's essentially, I think where a lot of the, the aversion to goal setting comes from is that people set goals and they miss those goals. And then because of that, they create this, this avoidance, this aversion of goals. And 
money, make no mistake about it, is just a goal-based conversation. It's just you need to know what you need to make and what you need to have in order for you to know what you need to do to get the thing, to get to that point, what kind of boat you're going to need to get to the island. But when they get into this and they're in that, that phase one, that uninformed optimism thing, and they find themselves, you know, getting to phase two, they start to realize that, like, um, I'm going to need to have a better idea of where this thing is supposed to go. And most of them, a lot of affiliates didn't start out to, to do something spectacular. They just started out to do the thing, right? They loved it. Like CrossFit changed their life. Therefore, they wanted to perpetuate the CrossFit model. But they don't realize that inside that there was something greater. There was something individual and there was something personal to them. And so they have to revisit that one because what ends up happening is, you know, back to that, that I guess the word of the day on this call is just that mimetic goal thing right? where they're just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Can someone tell me? Right. And so then everybody just gives them things like you need 150 clients or you need this or you need that or you got to do your on ramp this way. And so they set all these goals that aren't their own goals. And because of that, like if somebody told you, hey, listen, you need to squat 400 pounds and you squat 135 and you have no idea what that means in the greater scheme of fitness, you're probably you'll pursue it. Be like, okay. And then you would do some of the work. And like the first week of the squat cycle, you'd be like, this is terrible. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going back to cardio time. Right? And you would just go back to it. And that's that's the reason why affiliate owners do not repeat successful actions because they don't even like the thing that they're after because it's somebody else's goal. And that, that lack of awareness to goals as a construct and a missing skill set around like observing, creating, curating goals and then building plans the trickle down is like, that's actually one of the largest things that is a common thread that runs through the core of the staff and coach issues, the client issues, the price point, the front end offer, attention or uh, retention. Um, it's really interesting how few people I came across like in, in traveling for the seminars that made goals a large part of the construct of their community, their culture, their brand, like how the organism operated. Mm. If you don't talk to people about their goals, like, yeah, it's probably pretty hard to get them to sign up for fitness. They need to understand yeah. why like doing thrusters and burpees in a warehouse is going to help them have a better life. But it changed and, everyone's life, right? I mean, and that's the thing. So like, and I think if you, if everybody steps back from the goal conversation and the frustration with the word goal, because I think everybody, especially this time of year, right? Because resolutions, but like when you found CrossFit, a good vast majority of people who find it probably were already doing some degree of exercise with little to no success or results, right? That wasn't for lack of goals, right? They, they probably still, if you were going to the gym, you probably had a goal, arbitrary like i want to lose 10 pounds or whatever that looks like you know probably want to do a show or something stupid like that um no offense to anybody who does them but like there was some degree of, of of goal that they had come up with again mostly because they're like i don't know this is the type of thing i'm supposed to go after because they don't really have any, any inclination as to what fitness feels like can do or provide for them as a person an individual or an identity and then you go to you find yourself haphazardly likely in a CrossFit affiliate and all of a sudden the goals are semi pre-established, right? Like you don't really know what anything actually means. You're just like, 
and you can see the benchmarks and you know they're like three minute friends or this and that but like it's not until you attempt your first friend you're like oh three minute friend 59 that seems pretty easy shouldn't be that hard and then you come out the back side of it you know eight to 12 minutes later like what the fuck just happened it occurs to you that like i'm not in kansas anymore toto right like you're like this is going to be a very different reality for me if i'm going to come back here ever again but then immediately in that same sort of like writhing around the floor self-reflection that happens where you're like what the hell just happened you see somebody do it in three minutes and they're mm -hmm. identifiably somebody that like you want to be yeah, so then yeah. you do assign yourself that that sort of mimetic goal because you're absent of an actual ecological goal but then once you start to get closer to those goals right those those goals that somebody else or something else set for you everybody universally in crossfit has experience some degree of that that shift that ecological shift in their life where they're like my whole life got better and then all of a sudden they shift to real goals like they want to do more ecological things and that's what keeps people coming across it the rarity in which that that happens inside an affiliate though is pretty profound right like we, we, we've almost come to believe or rely on, on the perfection of the system to solve for the whole. And we have forgotten that like as coaches, you're a goalie. It's your job to keep people centered on goals, on pursuits, on development, on, on things that are going to better the whole, not the singularity of purpose. Hmm. And I, I mean, that does circle back to where we talked initially before we, you know, hit record was, um, accountability and you know we understand that we provide that for our clients to a degree but then providing it for our team and ourselves but in the pursuit of those goals you need that accountability and as owners we don't often find that because no one tends to know necessarily what it is we're working on and what it is we're afraid of not getting or when we shift the goalpost because we're one man band and we've just set that and we can just either do it or not do it. And no one will know the difference. Yeah. Well, and it's like not necessarily even whether or not somebody else knows the difference in the sense of accountability, but if like, there's no, never even a goal to find, like it doesn't matter. Like the action doesn't matter because it doesn't necessarily move me toward or away from the thing that I desire. And so it's like action in a vacuum. And that's why even successful actions don't get repeated because when the successful actions aren't correlated to moving towards the desired known endpoint, it's like it's just an action. Mm. And generally, the successful actions aren't the easiest or the most fun always. They are often <laughs> difficult, tedious, and boring. That's part of what makes them successful. And so like if the reward structure of moving towards the goal isn't in place, it's just like, do you want to do this thing? And the problem with humans is if, if we don't have that, then the only thing we have is novelty. But since it's a previous action that's already been determined as being successful, we lose all of the novelty of trying a new thing or having an undetermined outcome. So like our small, smooth little brains are like, oh, every time we do that, we win. We shouldn't do it anymore because it's not interesting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Boring. I, I, I think every affiliate parades or espouses that they are, you know, centers of accountability because in the vast majority of affiliates, their belief that putting your score on the whiteboard is accountability. And honestly, truly to some degree it is, but 
like Chuck just said, the piece that's missing is that if you're not actively as a coach, as an owner, as somebody who's responsible for other people, helping them see that their actions are leading them towards their intentions and towards their goals, which yes, would require you to have first had that conversation and identified what those actions, intentions, and goals are, right? Like if you're not helping them see that they're moving towards it, it's action in a vacuum, right? They're just like, it's just hard for the sake of being hard. It's just exercising with intensity because I'm supposed to exercise with intensity. They have no real pursuit. And that's why they're like, Hmm, this is boring. I don't like it. And it hurts. I'm going to quit. And it costs me a lot of money and you're not even charging them much, but it's amazing. It's amazing how much more it's worth to sit down with somebody and actually figure out what their real goals are, their true ecological goals, how it's going to make them feel different, how it's going to you know, feel different, what that life is going to look like, getting them to understand what an actual tangible goal is. Not like, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, we can do that, right? You already know that's going to happen on accident. You stumble through the door five times, you're going to lose 10 pounds. Like, not literally. But my point is that you have to have actual things. They have to have actual things that excite them, that get them out of bed, that bring them back to the gym. And you have to remind them how those efforts are leading them and getting them closer to those goals. Because like Chuck just said, they're not going to repeat successful actions unless they are aware and made aware regularly that those actions are leading them closer to the thing that they're actually after. Because they're just like, you know what I should do? Carnivore. Wait, hmm. what? Where did that come from? Or like, because, yeah, then like, oh, I haven't pooped right in about a month, so I'm going to try <laughs> vegan. Can you just stick to something and so we can measure yeah. it and make sure that you're getting closer to where you want to get to? Yeah, no, I'll do that. And then the next day they change again. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's what I was going to say is that people know that a successful action is eat more broccoli, drink more water, but after about two weeks, and you know, you start on a, meal plan or whatever you're like this is awesome this is exciting but after about two weeks like oh i need something else and we switch we keep just keep switching even though it's working we we want that constant stimulation of new i'm not gonna say that humans are dumb but <laughs> not, not dumb they're they're the damn dumbest smart creatures oh, on the planet SPR falls off the bench <laughs> we do have um our lizard brain take over at times well, you know, you know what's really not fun? Saving money, right? Like saving money for sure sucks. Like I would much rather spend money, blow money, ball out. Like saving money sucks. But you know when saving money becomes fun? When you're reminded of what you're trying to get to, right? Like then it's no longer saving money. Then it's attributing money or allocating money to other thing as opposed to just saving money. Everybody fails at saving money because it's literally just saving money. It's action in a vacuum. Nobody's like, just I like to save 50 cents of every dollar because that gets me real excited. No, nobody that doesn't excite anybody. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Nobody wants it. Nobody's excited by suffering, and that's what saving money is, right? Mm. But you are very differently motivated when you have something you're allocating towards, you're trying to amass, or something that you're trying to acquire. That's a very mm. different level because you're not saving money, you're allocating money. And that's a big mm. shift. And that's really the nature of this whole conversation is that. All this is, is allocating energy versus saving energy. And so allocating your, your actions towards your intention versus responding to your past is a very different reality for most people, especially as it applies to earning and making money. Like if you know what you need in terms of revenue and otherwise, you know what you'll have to do. You're going to, you, everybody knows at its core to accomplish anything. All things, no matter what it is, if it's worth being done, it's going to require somebody or something to get uncomfortable, 
right? Like, mm. hopefully, ideally, it's not going to be me, but something's going to have to work hard to make this thing happen. Generally, most often, it's going to be you that has to work hard, right? And mm. so, you we need to know: is it going to be worth it? And repeating successful actions is boring if we have no idea what we're working towards. So then it's no longer worth it. So guess what we don't want to do? The amount of suffering it takes to do those successful actions. Mm. And that's where people can jump from, you know, one shiny object to the next of the guru that promises them 300 leads or, you know, 200 new clients or this program or that program or. Seems like a good goal, right? Like, I mean, Mm. when someone shows up my inbox, they're like, listen. I'm going to fill your gym mm. in 30 days. Like that was literally a phone call that happened to me. And I was like, how's that sound? I said, this sounds like a terrible thing. This sounds like the worst. <laughs> and the person on the other end of the phone call was like, what? <laughs> you broke my sales script. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like the worst case scenario. Like, I don't like the half-filled gym that I have now, let alone doubling that. That's awful. <laughs> listen, listen here, Steve. You know how long it's gonna take to onboard all these people? Yeah, right. Like, and then like you're gonna fill my gym, and then you're just gonna leave, sir, on your little magic carpet that you rode in on, and I'm gonna have to keep these people. Do you know how much work that's gonna be? Because you're just gonna blow them in. They're gonna have no idea what we even do here. Right? Like, I mean, if yeah. I really just wanted to fill the gym in 30 days, I could do a group on right now and have a bunch of cheap assholes in here by the end of the week. Like doubling your revenue seems like a fantastic idea because you just want to focus on like, wow, I would for sure love to have twice as much money as I have right now. Guess what? Spoiler alert. You're all in the service business. That also means you're going to have to double the amount of service. And most Mm. of you are already understaffed. Yeah. One don't come without the other. Unless they're showing up with a band full of merry misfits that they're going to also fill your gym and they're going to put 15 employees in your gym and you're not going to have to do anything or you're also not going to have to nurture all the leads and you're not going to have to worry about any lost contracts and you're just going to go on vacation. Now I'll buy that horse. If if anybody actually knows who sells that program to bring give me those beans, Jack. And, and have the staff turnkey and also take the business to service capacity without any owner involvement. That would be sweet. Be very interested. Happy to pay a referral. But the reason that they're all in your inbox is because nobody has any sort of concept of what they actually are after, right? Like, you know, the reason that I was able to be like, that sounds terrible is because I knew that I wanted freedom. I don't want more money because more money was inevitably going to lead to me being able to have less time. Like I was going to leave every single weekend and I did every single weekend. So like you have to know where you're trying to get to so that when somebody does show up in your inbox and tries to sell you magic beans to the beanstalk, you can be like, that sounds terrible. I don't want the giant to come down here. Like that's mm. not at all what I want. Right. And, and you have to get to that point, but that requires you to understand the difference between, you know, mimetic and ecological goals, I think is at, at its core mm. because they're in your inbox because people like you, buy things like this so they keep selling it Mm. right once you guys all get smarter to the fact that like you know what um i don't think lead gen is actually the problem like here's the thing we have met with i don't know at this point hundreds whatever of affiliate owners generally speaking the number of leads they have is not a problem the average CrossFit affiliate is it sees about 10 to 15 people per month as leads. Like, I get it. They're not thousands. They're not hundreds. But here's the problem. 
you don't know what to do with the 10 or 15 people you're already seeing. You don't know how to make them profitable. You don't know how to make them, you don't know how to serve them at a higher level to make your service more enticing to them. So instead, you've got 10 to 15 leads and your only offer is throw them in a free trial or you know, bring a friend week and they come and they experience the worst parts of what you do. And then you're like, wanna buy it? No, I don't wanna buy this car. The check engine light's on, it's terrible. It's fucking awful. This is the worst thing ever. And if I do buy it, how's 50 bucks sound? Right? Cause like, this seems like a lot of suffering, a lot more than benefit. You don't need more leads because honestly, there's enough of them. You just need to know how to better convert the ones that you do have and make them more mm. profitable. Cause I can tell you right now, if you could turn the 10 or so leads that you probably have a month into profitable people and you could keep those people, you wouldn't have to grow and double your staff. You wouldn't have to download all the software. You wouldn't have to make all the phone calls. You wouldn't have to do all the things that I'm telling you right now, you're not going to do. Just mm. hear me out. Cause I've watched it happen like a train wreck a hundred times. You don't need more leads. You just need to do a better job with the ones that you have. Mm. But at the core of this, have your own goal. And how you service your first 50 clients, and you should go back to that level of service and attention and accountability and concern and triple your prices by providing the value that you know that you need to provide in order to do the job that needs to be done to save and change lives on a short time frame. And things are way better. And I think, you know, it it really does. You know, you're you're a frustrated affiliate owner going, you know, uh, rent's due, got to pay coaches, and you're looking on the the Instagram and you're scrolling because that's what you do to distract yourself from the actual shit show you're in the middle of, and you're you're worried about dealing and because you don't have a specific goal except stay alive. These things can be very attractive. You know, here here's my free program to add, you know, ten thousand dollars this month to your business you're like oh that'd cover all my expenses like go do that and without that guiding north star it it makes it easy to to fall into these um gurus and these you know the snake oil sellers i guess because they make it seem so attractive because they're talking to Your our pain break. points yeah I mean, truly, you know, just so we're clear, the word goal sucks. I hate it, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's equally as problematic for us as the word coach is. Like, I'm very proud to be a coach, love being a coach, and, I'm, and I love what coaching means, but the industry's ruined it. Same thing with goals, like especially this time mm -hmm. of year. But like straight up, it's not a matter of goals. It's what are you pursuing? Mm -hmm. That in itself is a is a a foundational pivot for most people because – Goals are easy to, to just write down, put on your checklist, tell people about them and dismiss them, right? Like the whole very nature of doing that, we've been doing it for our whole lives. But tell me what you're pursuing is a very different conversation because people are just like, well, I got goals. I'm like, what are you pursuing? And they're like, uh, well, I'm trying to just not go out of business. So you're not pursuing anything. It's no hmm. surprise why you're in the predicament you are. And that's the nature of accountability, right? So like back to that sort of that part of the sidebar before I ranted about lead gen, but uh, you know, the very nature of accountability has nothing to do with you checking in with how you're doing with your nutrition, your macros, your workout scores. Accountability is, hey, Lisa, this is the person you said you wanted to become. This is what you did today. Do you think that that's congruent? Do you think that you're, you're, on, you're on track or off track? 
more often than not, most people are going to be like, fuck, I'm off track. And that's the power, right? Because that simple question gets you to be like, got it back on track. I go. And that's it. It's just checking in. It's just caring about people. But for most people, they don't even have it in the budget and the financial scope of things to be able to sit down with every single person that they have. And so you want more leads and you want more people. You already can't serve the 50 to 75 that you have at the level at which you would like to serve them because you charge them too little. And so you want to bring in more people and even at the same or lower price point, potentially, okay, maybe bring them in at a higher price point. You're still going to have to serve those people at that higher price point. You can't even serve the, the ones that you have now. Like we've got to get back to the intention, action, congruency conversation with every single affiliate owner so they can recenter. And like Chuck said, they can go back to what it was like in the beginning, like how you treated your first 10 clients. Because that's how you likely, maybe you didn't know it, but back then that's exactly how you want to treat every client. But somewhere along the way, you realize you didn't charge enough. You got too many people. You got too little time. I got to do the most amount that I can and the least amount of things. And that's what you end up with. And so it's important to reconcile mentally that making money and taking care of people are not incongruent. Making money is a part of the valuation structure of doing the right things for the right people, for the right reasons, the right ways. Mm. It's just being able to view what it is that creates structures of value and being able to really understand that. It seems pretty reasonable that, you know, a heart surgeon has a nice paycheck because he saves your heart and so you don't die, but what's it worth to not be in that predicament in the first place? And then like, mm. can you articulate that? And can you make it congruent to the things that people actually care about? Cause it turns out most people don't care about their heart stopping unless they're faced with it in that moment. Mm. And all these things are related. So being able to have a goal, that is known and shared between all parties in order to value it appropriately, but it also makes the doing the thing, like making the donuts, like coaching the classes and working with the clients is way better. Will Uera was a little dude. Will Uera probably weighed 135, 145 pounds. He was, he was not having a great day doing some kettlebell walking lunges in a class many moons ago. But Will was getting ready to go to Peru to hike Machu Picchu with his wife and his two young daughters. Two young daughters who for sure at the ages they were at would not be able to manage like hiking Machu Picchu and climbing up all the stairs on their own. Mm. So it was like building congruence of what was happening in the training session to the goal that actually mattered for him. And like, turns out that's a little bit more valuable than like, hey, do you want to do some resistance training so that you have bone density when you get older? Uh, nope, super, super don't care at all. But do you want to not waste like $8,000 of taking your whole family to like Peru to go on this like milestone moment trip? Yeah, like turns out I want that to be a good experience and I want to make memories that last a lifetime. And I don't want it to be like, a meltdown disaster trip over something that I should do for myself anyway, because this is also what allows me to watch them get married one day. Cool. Got it. Mm. Oh, and it's probably a lot easier to get people to track their workouts if they understand that like these are the data points that make sure that I'm moving towards the things I want. And so it's like a huge red flag when we run through diagnostics and assessments and consults is the, the list of problems that often 
come to light, so many of them are tied into they're just not being a goal and a goal separate from a dream and that like it's the pursuit of something, right? It's action, action being taken in pursuit of a better endpoint. Yeah. And if you don't have goals, the whole thing falls apart. I mean, you've all heard us say it a thousand times that it starts with why, right? Like that I think becomes too abstract for most people, but and you've also heard us say that absence of whys, what's become wise, right? Meaning they just become distracted with other people's goals, right? It's the, it's the nature of what we were just talking about with mimetic versus ecological goals. Like if I don't know why I'm pursuing something, if I don't know why I want to go hike Machu Picchu, I don't have a goal. I don't have a vision, right? Therefore, I'm just going to look around and be like, what's a good thing for me to do? And you will likely do that marginally. And so at the core of this is the value proposition. People are inherently bad at remembering their whys because, like we just said a hundred times, we're easily distractible. Our shiny little smooth brain, our smooth brain chases shiny things all the time, right? And so that more often than not, when your why becomes challenging or too distant or, you know, too unattainable, we get distracted with other versions of the why, right? We start chasing what's and we start going after somebody else's goals instead of our own goals. And so if you want to make a lot of money in this business, you need to understand what's valuable and what's worth something to people. Information is worth nothing. What you know, what you have learned, the seminars you've taken is worth absolutely nothing unless it's valuable to the person who needs to consume it, which means you must get to the core of why they're after the information that you possess so that you can show them that you are the solution to their problem. That's worth fortunes. However, if you don't do that, you're just going to assume they want to pay you for the information that you possess because you paid to possess that information. So therefore, it must be worth something. But you have forgotten that the whole reason that you paid to consume that information is because you found value in the fact that like, if I take this seminar, I'm going to make money, right? That's value there. They don't care what you know. They only care what you know is going to or what, what you know is going to do for them. So you have to get to like, what is the pain point? What is the struggle? Sex of the life. You know, all those things that they're after so that you can then decide how I can package what I know and I can promote it and deliver it to them so that they will pay me. And the reason why you guys don't make any money is because you just don't talk to people. You don't coach them. You and that's what them. makes it a whole lot easier to make the money. And that's what makes the value structures in your head able to rewrite like stories and baggage and trauma and like just BS around money is when you get to think about somebody having a milestone moment, lifetime vacation, it's easy to value your services higher. When you think about like what it might be worth for somebody to have like competent sex with all of their clothes off and all the lights on, like, yeah, that's a valuable thing. That helps you understand changing somebody's life. That helps you understand transacting for it appropriately. And so when we talk about making money, it's like, it's because money's a good thing. Money is a, an objective marker of value that is universal to communicate. And if you want to make a million dollars, figure out how to help a million people. And if you can just think about value structures of like helping people and doing good things and making things better. Surely Chuck's shoulder is valuable to Saint for the record. Yeah. <laughs> for those who are listening. Driving us. <laughs> Saints is uh, 
giving Chuck plenty of affection on the shoulder. I don't know why they do it, but they do. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 understanding that what matters to somebody, and by having that conversation, you understand what will drive them. And when they have that moment where, like, oh, this is hard, I'm out. Like, I don't seem to have the time for this, and I don't seem to. It's not really a priority. It's like, hey, but what about these things that we talked about? They haven't changed for you. Like, these Cross are the things the we're working towards. It's going to be, yeah. it's been free. It's going to continue to, well, maybe it'll continue to be free. Who knows? But like, it's free and it will always be free. So guess what's not worth any money? Fran, Filthy 50, Eva, mm. Helen. Because, you're programming. Yeah, you're, you're programming. Assuming they have any degree of some sort of the, of the equipment at home, they can do that on their own. Unfortunately, on accident, that is the value proposition that most of you convey, right? The best version <laughs> of the free thing. And listen, I would much rather do those workouts around other people. So that in and of itself is worth something. But the reason that that's worth something is that because by being around those other people, that elicits more intensity from me. And the reason that I want that is because I know that that more, that more intensity leads me to my ability to do things weird ways like this all day. Right. And so that requires me to be obsessive about my pursuits and what I'm pursuing. You just have to sell people on their ability to pursue what they want to pursue and that you are the solution to that pursuit because you are hard to talk to other people about goals. If you don't have goals yourself. Hmm. Funny how that works. Mm. And, and I guess no method of understanding uh, the whole accountability framework and the power of that. If you're not, getting that yourself and you're therefore not, you know, delivering on that as well. It's like, well, they get a an email automated every seven days if they're not at class from, you know, Waterfy or SugarWord or, you know, push press, whatever. So they're getting the email to say that, hey, we miss you. But when that email lands in their inbox every so often and they go, it's the same as the last email I got. It doesn't take much to figure out that it's not unique and that it's not so that's not providing the accountability. It's like that's just a default setting. This accountability is, is those honest conversations. Really. Sorry. Nobody wants to work any harder. Mm. And that's really the big problem here, right? Like what this sounds like to a lot of people listening to this is that we're telling you that, hey, you want more money, you're going to have to work harder. That's not at all what we're saying. What we're saying is that if you aren't making enough money, you're not going to work harder meaning it's not worth it for you to work harder because you're not getting enough from the client that's given to you. And that's a really shitty proposition when the entire purpose of this whole thing is to literally save the world, right? Like we need to be doing the most good for the most people, not, well, the most good that we can afford to do for what they're willing to pay us. And that's the unfortunate relationship that we've gotten into with a lot of things. I don't want you to work harder. You can, you can leverage this in a lot of different ways, technology, however you want to do it, that's fine. But at the core of this whole thing, if somebody's paying you a whole bunch more money than the people that you currently have paying you, I bet you'd be way more willing to sit down and be like, hey, man, what's up? How's things going, right? But yeah, when people are just trying to, to pay you 50, 60, 70 bucks a month, yeah, you're just like, just come three times a week and don't send me emails, please. Yeah. And, and you know, that's a, that's a really good... Uh, I guess, um, summation of where it can be at. But then when you're, you know, then given the shiny ob objects of 
do this, do that, you know, this will make it easier, put this system in, add this automation, you know, less work, more money, you'll be able to serve more people. That personal interest and interaction gets lost in that because we see that as overwhelming and it's scary. Change the environment, you'll change the outcome. Like one of the main reasons why most people don't change anything about what they change, they don't change the environment, right? It's very hard for you to lose a whole bunch of weight when everybody in your family is overweight, right? It's very hard for you to make a whole bunch of money when everybody in your family is lower or middle class, right? It's very hard to do things when your environment doesn't change. And so a lot of these things fall short inside the affiliate because you can't change things about your affiliate when you keep the affiliate the same. You got to change the whole environment. And that means it's okay to change up the entire scope of your product and service. Do it. Change the environment, you'll change the outcome. That seems like a good note to uh, put a bow on this one is another great chat. Lots of uh, good information. And if that like finishing on a riddle, like, dude, we're super happy to like talk about what it could actually look like in your own box with your own vision, with your own staff and coaches and clients. Cause that's how the show goes on and that's how these things do actually survive and thrive and not end up being the end game of somebody's burnout mm. and somebody's just like unwillingness to be able to, to see the light, to do things in a better way. And so, yeah, man, we just, I don't know. Everybody needs this. Yep. Have a conversation uh, link in the show notes and also a link to our Facebook group where you can be surrounded by other affiliate owners and people trying to you know live their best lives and create the best lives for for the people that they care about so um those are in the show notes so jump on and and jump in and get involved but reach out to chuck and tony for a chat link in the notes and don't need your credit card we're not going to ask you for anything they're not going to sell us anything they just want to talk to you and find out how we can help all right gentlemen thank you good chats i look forward to the next one as always Ciao. Hey, dudes. Thank you, my friend, for listening to the Fitfiliate podcast. If you would be interested in hopping on a free call with us to just kind of chat about what you think your problems are and what you think the gap is between where you're at and where you want to go, we can see if maybe we can help you along that journey, figure out if we're all a good fit to do some sweet things together. So click the link, set up a consult. Let's help you identify some problems that we can mutually solve.